This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, July 2nd, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. We may be closer than ever to ending a significant chunk of corporate welfare. The Export-Import Bank subsidizes large U.S. firms by facilitating exports, but it also helps foreign companies that compete in U.S. markets. Tim Carney, a columnist at the Washington Examiner, talks about this fiscal policy litmus test. I think that any conservative who actually is pro-free market and not pro-business is going to oppose reauthorizing the Export-Import Bank. The question is whether Republican leadership, that's where I'm looking at the litmus test, will Republican leadership try to bring around the rest of the House and kill this? Because in the House, they could do it. So for me, does the Republican leadership actually oppose crony capitalism? I would say if they do, they will make sure that Export-Import Bank is not reauthorized, at least not with a major fight. Does it? Uh, how important is it that the the new majority leader says we're not we're not going to do this? That's crucial because uh, in the past the majority leader was Eric Cantor, and he was the one who actually cut the deal in 2012 to renew the bank. You have the current financial services chairman Jeb Henterling. He opposes reauthorization. So if it doesn't pass out of committee, the only way it comes to the floor is if the majority leader brings it to the floor. So now that McCarthy, incoming majority leader, says. He's not going to bring it to the floor unless it passes out of committee. He's putting the ball in the court of Jeb Henserling, who has said he doesn't want to reauthorize it. The Chamber of Commerce is a big backer of uh, the Export-Import Bank, and they say this doesn't cost taxpayers a dime. The Export-Import Bank is turning money back over to the Treasury. Well, there's a lot of responses to that. The first is that this involves accounting gimmicks. They don't use fair value accounting. So the, this is something the Congressional Budget Office said. There's two different methods of accounting. The accounting method they use now doesn't really take into account all the risk that's borne. The second answer is that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac didn't cost taxpayers anything until it did. And then it bailed out. And then it failed. But also, a lot of corporate welfare and I spend my time looking at this, a lot of corporate welfare doesn't have a giant budgetary effect because it's, it uses things like loan guarantees, which most of what Export-Import Bank uses, or tax credits or mandates. So it has huge distortions on the economy without necessarily directly drawing money out of the coffer. So if we're looking at the budget impact, we're looking at the wrong place. What is the distortions on the economy is a major question. And the Export-Import Bank has budget authority that is far in excess of what it actually spends. It could be spending $160 billion a year. Export-import banks' loan guarantees are much bigger than you know the money that it moves around to cover for it. So if they subsidize a billion-dollar loan guarantee, they're not spending a billion dollars. But that could end up going bust, and then we would end up having to foot the bill. So the liabilities of Export-Import Bank are gigantic, just like they were of Fannie and Freddie, and they would be for any loan guarantee program. And again, they're not using the proper accounting to measure for market risk when they're doing this, according to the Congressional Budget Office. You were here for an event uh, for Ralph Nader's new book, and there are several terms that are thrown around that all have sort of a common core. But if you could uh, sort of parse out differences as you see them, there's crony capitalism, corporatism, and corporate welfare. Yeah, so crony capitalism is a much more ca uh, catchy term. I really didn't use that term too much except to refer to things that kind of look like bribery. But that's a term that people get excited about. And so for me, crony capitalism is, for example, at the Export-Import Bank, four people were suspended recently. One of them was suspended 
for alleged kickbacks. That's crony capitalism where the people in power benefit their friends or do a quid pro quo. I use corporatism to broadly mean policies that end up benefiting the big existing politically connected companies. So a regulation on tobacco. Philip Morris supported this. It's the number one producer. It produces half the cigarettes in America. It's not necessarily that they're being given some special gift. It's that the nature of the rule tilts the playing field towards the big guys. And I use corporate welfare to describe, well, giving money to, uh, to big business, either in the form of loan guarantees or grants or that sort of thing. So I think of corporate welfare as a species of corporatism that does often involve crony capitalism. Aside from Boeing and some other uh, companies, who are the foreign uh, beneficiaries of the Export-Import Bank when they come to compete with uh, U.S. producers of goods and services, with yeah. providers of services? So the biggest customer of the Export-Import Bank are foreign airlines. And so, of course, U.S. airlines don't like it because the way it works is mostly it's loan guarantees. So a bank loans money to a foreign airline to buy Boeing jets, and then that foreign airline has lower operating costs. So our the U.S. airlines that compete, like Delta, don't like it because our government is subsidizing their foreign competitors. Also, foreign banks are just as likely as U.S. banks to get the, the loan guarantees. But the banks love it all. But you do see foreign manufacturers get these subsidies. And so it's interesting because the free market argument ends up saying, why are we disadvantaging our domestic manufacturers and helping these other guys? It can sound on the surface almost like a protectionist anti-free trade argument. But really, there's no free trade involved at all if, say, a General Electric refrigerator factory in Mexico is getting a subsidy that such a, f a fridge factory here couldn't. Or a foreign semiconductor maker just got an Export-Import Bank uh, loan guarantee. Well, that's got to disadvantage the U.S. semiconductor makers. So when business interests, big business interests like the Chamber of Commerce say this doesn't cost us any money, certainly they're not including the disadvantages that are uh, assigned to U.S. producers of various goods. The, the biggest problem that free market arguments always face is that the costs are often hidden or very diffuse, while the benefits go to a small, well-connected minority. So even when the small businesses get these, you see a small business says, oh, well, I got this loan guarantee and it helped me export more pickles. That's one of the big arguments that gets trotted out. But there's some other borrower who didn't get that loan because the guarantee was behind the pickle seller. We don't even know who that is. So it's, an, it's a seen and unseen that Frederick Bastiat and Henry Hazlitt always talk about, that th that's a real cost, that you have the cost to Delta when Air China or Air India get the subsidy is incredibly hard to quantify. It's certainly not concrete. And so this, the argument that, oh, well, certain people benefit from the subsidies is obvious. Of course they do. But to point to the losers, especially when it's not directly coming out of the taxpayers' money, it's a lot harder. And so it sounds like some ivory tower argument. Oh, well, you're saying in theory there's losers. No, we're saying in actuality there are losers. They're just harder to identify than the winners. You can identify the winners because they're the ones getting money from the taxpayer. Tim Carney is a columnist at the Washington Examiner. Read more about the failures of the Export-Import Bank at our website, cato.org.